IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with EasyLinks. Insurance agencies are constantly seeking new ways to find and forge meaningful, long-lasting client relationships. In this episode, we sit down with Brady Polanski, Vice President of Agency Relationships with EasyLinks, to discuss how insurance agents can transform customers into raving fans by leveraging the latest in technology and automation tools. Everybody and welcome to IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business, and in this episode, I'm joined by Brady Polanski, Vice President of Agency Relationships at EasyLinks, to discuss how insurance agents can transform customers into raving fans by using automation tools to win, serve, and retain clients. Brady, welcome to IBA Talk. It's great to have you on board. Thank you so much for having me, Bethan. So Brady, insurance agencies are always looking for new ways to find and forge awesome, long-lasting relationships with their clients. How can agencies leverage technology and automation tools to transform their customer base into raving fans? When you think about independent agencies, they have incredible jobs and careers, and they're really helping people at the times that they need it the most, when there's a catastrophe or something bad happens. And there's a lot in that business that is, is definitely admirable for the consumers that they have. But having said that, independent agents really differentiate themselves by having choice of different carriers that they can place the business with and advocacy on behalf of the customers. So there are some things that they can do to try to turn those customers into raving fans when they go beyond just providing them choice and advocacy. At the end of the day, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. That hasn't changed for you know thousands of years from that particular standpoint. But as we look at the last decade or so, customer journeys are changing. Some customers want to go and do everything themselves. Some customers want somebody to do everything for them. And in the middle, there are those that want technology sometimes, and they don't want technology. But as we think about becoming a digital agency, one of the things that we have to begin with is the fact that 75% of all consumers who start the buying process, according to Comscore, are starting searches online. And that's the entry point for agencies to become a digital agency. And then when they can utilize all of the tools that are available in their systems, they can then create raving fans who will, you know, be happy to provide recommendations and referrals and tell their friends and so on. Yeah, that's that's really interesting how people are sort of starting that journey these days. Um, now, we've seen a lot of the change in the past year as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, with many agencies having to shift overnight to digital operating models. Have any of the basic principles that you've just described changed as, as a result of the pandemic? So we've seen a lot of change in how agencies are interacting with customers as a result of the pandemic. Some systems that agents use are completely online and for their employees to start working from home to service their customers was a really easy transition. For other tools, uh, it was just really hard. But taking it even a step farther, Forbes magazine did a piece not too long ago that said, 
you know, marketers in this new environment are somewhat tone deaf to what's going on within this marketplace. People are changing the way that they are integrating uh, uh, with the different systems and people are changing the way that they're interfacing with people. So, you know, we all know now what Zoom is and we see integrated scheduling systems and we can get a hold of people uh, anywhere in the world in an immediate fashion and some organizations in the insurance space did a much better job of migrating to those sorts of things than, than other ones. But what's important as we take a look at some of these things is you need to understand that you don't have to spend all the money that Geico spends to be effective, but you do need to make sure that you're paying attention to what's going on in the marketplace and how things are changing as a result of COVID-19. So simple things like, can the customers find your self-service portals? Uh, assuming that you have those as being a digital agency. Can they find good information about the agency online? Are they able to interface with the team in the method that they want to interface with? And oh, by the way, are all of these tools integrated in a way that helps support uh, robust ENO protection for the independent agents? So as things have changed, some agencies made that leap very easily. Other agencies really struggled with that. And it's important to think about this from the standpoint that this isn't going to go away. Uh, I think that we're destined to having a hybrid uh, as we go along with that. And, and I know we're going to get to a later question where we're going to talk about some results and we're going to tie that back to what we saw specifically to those proactive agents during COVID-19 versus those that aren't being proactive. Mm-hmm. Brady, you've used the term digital agency a few times. Um, I'd like to pick that apart a little, a little bit. What are some of the best practices that you see agents incorporating into their businesses that have been successful? So I think one of the things that agents, uh, they, they get a little scared when you start talking about being a digital agency. They They don't quite understand what it is that it means. They don't recognize that uh, it, it's all about serving the customers in the ways that the customers want to be serviced. Um, but what we look at when we think about best practices in digital agencies are a couple of key performance indicators that an agency can watch that will help demonstrate whether or not they're doing the things that the consumers are expecting. Now, what's ironic is when you look at the key performance indicators, they really don't have much to do with being digital, uh, but they are things that when we look at agencies, we see that those that are digital outperform their peers on a regular basis. So the three main KPIs that we consider and think are an extremely important part of that relationship building with the consumers today includes policies per customer. And I'll stop on that one for a second and, and drill in. When you think about policies for customer, studies show that organizations like State Farm and Allstate are selling four and five policies to every one of their customers on average. However, when you look at independent insurance agents, the industry average tends to be closer to about one and a half, 1.6 policies per customer. So what you have to ask yourself is, is why is it that the 
direct writers and competitors can sell so many policies and the standard independent agent doesn't. And, and that really drills into the fact that the normal independent agent isn't focused in on growing that number. They're not focused in on adding more uh, customers. And when you look at adding more customers, then it makes those customers even more sticky, which in turn improves your retention and, and which in, then in turn improves your net promoter scores and all of those other kinds of things. So there's a lot of pieces, parts of that. But that's the one thing that we look at and say, you know, if you can only fix one thing about your organization, sell more to those people who are already buying from you. Uh, and they are easier to sell to, by the way. Number two is close ratios. So as we take a look at the effectiveness of what you're doing. If you're buying uh, digital ads, if you're moving people through websites, if you're coming in and you're doing direct mail marketing or you're doing outbound calling, it's extremely important that the agency understand what actions they're performing and the results that come from those actions. So as we look at a close ratio, it's not important to know that I say sell one in four opportunities that I receive. What's important is the ones that I'm receiving from the digital ads are those closing at a better rate than the ones that aren't. So you can go back and do calculations about lead acquisition cost and where these are coming from. So now as I start to think about how do I grow my business, which one of these tools that I'm using are the most effective? And we want to use real data like close ratios to determine uh, what they are, and then we can do a cost-benefit analysis based on that, which leads us to our third critical KPI, which is new business velocity. Insurance agents are sales organizations first and foremost, and as they go out and they acquire new customers, they need to be able to acquire new customers effectively and efficiently, which ties back into the close ratio that I mentioned before, and then if the business is doing it really well and they're selling multiple policies and they're trying to help the customer solve multiple problems, they're going to have a much higher per customer revenue inside of the agency. And you tie these just three basic things together and what you're going to end up with is an extremely effective uh, digital agency. Now, how does it become digital versus non-digital? Well, using tools like comparative rating for small business commercial or for uh, personal lines. It's about having data insights to find those opportunities within your systems uh, to be able to cross-sell, upsell, and so on and so forth. It's about having a single record without a lot of duplicates of accounts and things like that. And then ultimately in the end, it's about the ability to generate robust analytics so that you know that what it is that you're doing is uh, paying off and, and is very effective and efficient. Yeah. Thank you, Brady. I, I think these days the value of being a, a digital agency is clear. Um, and as you've just described, there's been a lot of success around some of these tools. Um, so with all of that in mind, why do you think so many insurance agencies are still a little bit reluctant to implement some of these tools? That's a great question. When we think about automation and tools, there's a differentiation between an expense, which is how many agents look at insurance technology versus an asset. 
every agency on the planet will say that their human resources are their most important asset, and I completely agree. But how we make those human resources as effective as possible is, is even more important. So what we hear a lot of times from agencies who are contemplating this is, well, you know, we tried that before and it didn't work. Uh, you know, it wasn't really easy to understand and it scared the team and they really don't embrace change and, and therefore it's too high of a hurdle to try to, to cross. Or, you know, there's an old joke in the industry that says if you're going to try to do a cross-sale campaign, start in the alphabet at the letter M because everybody has tried to sell the A's and the B's already before they gave up. <laughs> So you want to make sure that you're doing these sorts of things and you're not looking at this as, as new technologies, but you're embracing the technologies of the day. And let me give you an example of that. Now, most people don't ever consider popcorn uh, making as a technology, but I'm going to use this as an example. When I was growing up, you made popcorn at the, the camp that we would go to in the summertime in this a screened grate that you would hold over the fire and, you know, you'd shake the kernels over top of the fire and that popcorn would pop and you would get about 50% of the kernels to pop. You would burn about 25% of the popcorn that you had in there. Uh, but you were able to make popcorn using the technology of an open fire uh, and a screened grate. Next comes along the technology of where you can start making popcorn in kettles, uh, large uh, dishes of things. You put oil in the bottom of it. You put the popcorn in top of it. Now you're going to cook about 75% of those kernels are going to pop. You're still going to have about 25% waste from the things that are burning at the bottom, but the technology is beginning to move forward. What's next from a technology standpoint? Around the time that America was in the space race and they were trying to figure out how to put uh, people on the moon, they came up with perhaps one of the greatest examples of technology improvement in popcorn, and that is the Jiffy Pop popcorn. Now you've got a self-contained unit uh, that goes over top of a regular stove top. It doesn't even need to be fire anymore. It can be electric and you shake that and now you're going to get about 85% of your popcorn kernels popped and you're going to go ahead and get fewer burnt kernels. Well, then next came the fad of the 1980s. And, and for those millennials who may be listening to this, go look in grandma's cupboards. But then you're going to find this thing called a hot air popper. And we went through this time where it was the most god-awful popcorn ever. But the technology was such that if you use hot air to make the popcorn and you blow the popcorn out of the system, then the kernels are left behind in the hot air popper and it makes the popcorn. And you had a little tray at the top that sometimes melted the butter and you can pour the butter right on top of the popcorn. And that was really actually a horrible tasting popcorn, but it was great technology of the time. Then you move into another technology piece where you might have microwave popcorn. In the early days, it required a special bowl and a special device and all of that. But today, when you think about it, it in and of itself, that technology transformed an entire different unrelated business. How? Go look at the front of your microwave oven. Popcorn has its own button. So the point that I'm trying to get at here is we all laugh about the journey of popcorn technology, but we never fought it anywhere along the way. We've all had kettle corn. We've all had you know, microwave popcorn and so on and so forth. And we never thought twice 
about the fact that we had to adopt a new technology. And what I would uh, ask agents is to think of their automation and tools in their agency to be similar to the popcorn. Embrace the new stuff that's coming out. It's only getting better. <laughs> Brady, I wasn't expecting to uh, learn about the history of popcorn today, but excellent analogy there. And I think useful for our listeners as well. Um, so, you know, you mentioned earlier that consumers still want to buy from people that they know, they like, and they trust. That's, you know, the inherent value of the insurance agent, uh, that trusted advisor relationship. Um, so how can agents strike the right balance between some of these tools that we've been discussing so far today and then still providing that personal touch that, that consumers crave? We talked earlier about the three journeys. Customers want to do things themselves. Sometimes they want somebody to do it all for them. Sometimes they want a little bit of both. If we go back to the Comscore study that 75% of the people who started online, what was very interesting about that is the majority of those that purchased still purchased from a human being. Insurance is very complicated and it's more than a dollar sign. And yes, saving a few dollars here or there and saving a few minutes and getting a quote is important to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, they want to ask a human being, am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Is there something I'm not thinking about that I should be thinking about? So what we need to do is we need to make sure that we have tools that allow them to help themselves. Get an auto ID card, uh, get a quote for insurance, uh, you know, be able to change their mailing address or their preferences on how they want to be communicated with. But when we're going to do it for them, you also need to make sure that you have systems in place that allow you to find the answer very quickly. You know, our industry is old and it's very conservative and it's pretty common to say, you know what, I'm going to have to call somebody else to get an answer to this question. And if we start thinking about today, phone calls are not the primary method of communication. It's still the most effective other than face to face. But as we start to think about this, having those answers available to you is so important so that you're not playing phone tag and you're not leaving them hanging for things that you should have. So really, when you build this whole ecosystem of digital tools, it's going to allow you to better service that customer and have follow-ups and reminders and things happening in behind the scenes that you may not even aware are happening to continue to engage that customer throughout their journey. Yeah, okay. So as we've been discussing, the end goal of all of this is to turn customers into raving fans. Um, let's say they're successful, you know, how can agencies measure that and how can they tell that they've achieved that goal? We spoke earlier about the key performance indicators, and I think that that is absolutely 100% the way that you can determine whether or not you're actually creating raving fans or not. Now, you can take steps and go much more uh, detailed and use things like the key performance or excuse me, use things like a net promoter score and customer satisfaction and all of these sorts of things, which is important. And from a consumer standpoint, you want to make sure that that you are keeping them satisfied uh, so that they don't necessarily go and shop. I liken it to kind of a, a cat that has nine lives. Most customers will forgive uh, a service snafu here or there. Uh, but, you know, at some point you end up uh, crossing those nine lives and they want to leave the agencies. But 
as agencies in helping transform those raving fans, it's all about getting them to refer friends. It's all about, you know, getting them to write positive online reviews. It's all about getting customer testimonials to talk about why your agency is a better fit than those agencies that are not. And I'll give a specific example here of what we saw during the pandemic. We took a look at 10 billion in premium. That was 50% what we would consider digital agency and 50% that was more of a traditional agency. And in the first six months of COVID, while the industry just came to a screeching halt, people slowed down their uh, purchasing uh, parts. They weren't getting quotes as often. Uh, agencies were struggling to try to figure out how to make all this work uh, from home and so on and so forth. When we looked at the data, the $5 billion in premium of the agency that did not have what we would consider uh, digital technologies, they weren't proactive, they weren't trying to build raging fans, their premiums were flat over that six-month period of time. Now, you might sit there and say, that is outstanding, they held their own, but their underlying policy counts reduced. So they had a net loss of policies Although with increases in pricing, their overall premium remained flat. Some people, again, say that's a win. However, in looking at the other half of the agencies, the other $5 billion in premium, who were proactive, who involved uh, their digital tools in doing all of that, during that same period of time, not only did they increase their policy count, but they increased their premium by 17% over that same time period. So the question I would ask the agency principals is, do you want to be flat or do you want 17% more? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. Um, Brady, I'm going to ask you one final question uh, for this discussion today. Um, and I think it's an important one because, you know, this is a continuous journey. Once agencies have successfully transformed their customers into raving fans, the next step then is to retain them as raving fans. Um, so, you know, what steps can they take to ensure that they're not forgotten about through the life cycle of a policy and, and to just make sure that their consumers uh, continue to value them? At the end of the day, we want to make sure that we consistently service those customers that have placed their trust within the agency. And you can do that manually with a lot of human resources, or you can allow technology to help you do that. If you think about just basic communication pieces, right? Every business, including insurance agencies, kind of want to say the same things at, say, time of renewal or other things like that, right? Hey, thanks for your business. Don't forget to tell your friends about us. Did you know you could also buy whatever? Do you want fries with that? Uh, and, you know, here are some tools that you can use to service yourself should you be interested. And, you know, these things can be said in a regular way through automation. If you leave it up to individuals, they may miss a point or two. Uh, they may not think that that is important. So you can use automation through your communications to talk about those kinds of things. But at a core, what we need to do is we need to also use automation to do things like check the policy endorsements, check the renewals that are coming in, inform the agent what's going on here. Why is it important that they maybe reach out in this case uh, with a little TLC to the customer instead of just letting this thing ride 
which so many customers do. Automate the communication, whether it's a text message, whether it's an email, whether it's a phone call, we need to be able to stay in touch and let the consumer know that we're here for them. And the only way that you can do that is to get out in front of things that are going to take the customer by surprise. I'm not a huge fan of surprises. I don't even like birthdays. And the last thing I want to do is open up an envelope that happens to show up uh, at my house or an email that happens to ding from my insurance company directly, shocking me with a huge amount of increase or a change in policy form or something like that. I'm paying these agents to do these things for me and to make sure that they are promoting best practices and that they're constantly reviewing these things and that they're telling me again that I have options because ultimately it all goes back to what we talked about beginning. And that is that agencies provide advocacy with the various carriers, but they also provide choice. So if you wait until the customer brings the conversation to you, it's too late. You've already lost one of those proverbial uh, lives that we have talked about. It's all about referrals. It's all about getting the raging fans, raving fans, excuse me. It's all about making sure that you're creating an indispensable partnership between the agency and the consumer through these digital tools and not just being somebody that had the cheapest rate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Brady, I, I think that's a great place uh, to end the discussion today. Lots of food uh, for thought there for our listeners. And hopefully a lot of people are going to get some new raving fans as a result of this. So, so Brady, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Nothing. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much and have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And thank you as well to our listeners for tuning in to IBA Talk. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business. Make sure to check out the rest of our IB Talk podcasts and IBTV on our website. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more from Brady and the team at EasyLinks, visit them at www.easylinks.com. That's www.easylinks.com for more. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.